This is Sunday's Psychedelic Spirit with Aaron Akulis, brought to you by the Peace on Drugs podcast. A quote from Timothy Leary. Throughout human history, as our species has faced the frightening, terrorizing fact that we do not know who we are or where we are going in this ocean of chaos, it has been the authorities, the political, the religious, the educational authorities, who attempted to comfort us by giving us order, rules, regulations, informing, forming in our minds their view of reality. To think for yourself, you must question authority and learn how to put yourself in a state of vulnerable open-mindedness, chaotic, confused vulnerability to inform yourself. All right, today's Psychedelic Spirit. Um, I'm recording this on Saturday, June 19th, which Biden just made a national holiday. Juneteenth. Juneteenth is uh, the African-American Independence Day. It was started in Texas when on June 19, 1865, Texas proclaimed freedom for slaves. This Juneteenth marks over 100 years since the worst massacre in American history, where in 1921, from May 31st to June 1st, a white mob killed hundreds of black people and burned down what was then the most affluent black community in America. A town outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma named Greenwood by the black entrepreneur O.W. Gurley, who had been born a slave but became a lawyer. He started a newspaper, uh, Greenwood, um, a newspaper in Greenwood called the Tulsa Star, informing black people of their legal rights. And white people back then didn't like that. Not one bit. And this is such a tragic story. And I think it's important that we remember the past so we don't make the same mistakes. I think we've come a long way since then, but we are, you know, there's a lot going on with the uh, racial tensions and law enforcement, and that's a scary thing to be happening when you consider this country's history. So today's psychedelic spirit, I want to talk about mental parasites. These are ideas that infect and spread through culture and create things like white nationalism and Nazis, and we need to like nip such things in the bud, considering atrocities against mankind they have led to in the past. So I was driving to Captiva and I was listening to Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan experience with uh, Andy Norman, who is a philosophy teacher, and he's been studying the concept of mental parasites. I won't go into a lot of detail about his studies because you can just listen to Andy Norman on, the, on Joe Rogan's podcast, and I recommend you do. So I was riding down the road in Captiva on my way to, to a gig. I was listening to this podcast, and what he was saying got me thinking. And so I turned off the podcast and put on Spangle. It's like EDM world psychedelic music. It doesn't have words, so I can, it allows me to just sit there and think. And I began ruminating on the concept of mental parasites. And I pulled out my phone and recorded my thoughts, which I'm, which I'm now re-recording in the studio. Um, so most of this was just kind of thought out loud on the way to Captiva. So I got to thinking about the topic, about this topic, um, and how it would be great for psych the psychedelic spirit because it's important that we build our immunity to mental parasites. So what are mental parasites? They are ideas, ideas that can spread like a virus, that can infect our minds with delusions. 
they can obscure reality and be very dangerous when groups of homo sapiens become infected and their infection spreads and the group becomes as large as a nation. Think Nazi Germany. Mental parasites, we spread, uh, we spread them through language. So let's, let's think about language. Language is just code. It's code we use to describe reality. We frame our realities in words, but the words never completely match true reality. Sometimes they are almost perfect and they serve us to, you know, to do great things, share ideas, create new technologies, but sometimes they can become destructive, as in white nationalism. This idea that white people are a superior race, and if you start believing something like that, you know, you know, if you're white, you'd start looking down on other races and it can lead to unjust laws. It can lead to horrible violence like what happened in 1921 in Tulsa. These ideas can be very insidious. And so when they spread, we must work to build our immunity against them. And that's another example of um, mental parasites is the flat earth movement. So. Now, while their movement might not seem dangerous, the problem is that believing nonsense weakens our immune system and it weakens our immunity to other bullshit. And so we become more susceptible to more insidious mental parasites. So these flat earthers are people who start to question too much. They start to buy into too many conspiracy theories because sure, some of them make a little sense on the surface. Like, like the US might be behind 9-11. I'm not saying that there is truth to this. I'm saying that on the surface, some of it could have a little, you could see a point to it because, you know, it, op it opened the door for the U.S. to invade Iraq. Even though Saddam Hussein and the Iraqi government had nothing to do with 9-11, Americans wanted revenge. And they found it easy at the time to just blame Islam. And then the Bush regime, or, sh or I should say the Cheney regime, they used that hate that, that Americans had towards radical Islam to frame Iraq as an equal threat. They started spreading mind parasites, or maybe more aptly, they took advantage of the mind parasites that were already spreading. So we attacked Iraq and a lot of uh, military supply companies that were going out of business because, uh, because we weren't at war, they were bought up by companies like the Carlyle Group that Cheney and Bush were heavily invested in. And all of a sudden, those companies that they bought for very cheap started turning a profit because all of a sudden, America's at war. And also a lot of the oil pipelines, they were monopolized by American companies that Cheney uh, was invested in. So if you look at, uh, your, if you base your investigation on 9-11 on who profited, uh, America and, and specifically the Bush and Cheney administration, they look, they look guilty. But there's a saying I heard on Dan Carlin, um, it was uh, something Winston Churchill said, never let a good crisis go to waste. He said that during World War II. And, um, but basically it's a military political, political strategy. And so it seems more likely that this is what the Bush administration did. I doubt that they would have allowed 9-11 to happen for their own profits. It seems much more likely that they simply took advantage of the tragedy for their own profits. And there, there are other conspiracies that seem even more believable and may even be closer to the truth than what we uh, teach in our history classes, like the JFK assassination. You know, that was one thing that, uh, that was one, one of the things that Joe Rogan and Andy Norman brought up, that, that there really could be and probably is something to that one. And, and that just because something is a conspiracy theory doesn't mean it's inherently false. But what it all comes down to 
is that when we when we look at when we're looking at news stories, conspiracies or conspiracies, we have to look at the facts. So take a conspiracy like flat earth. I have a lot of questions. Like what benefit would the government have for lying about the shape of the earth? And I'm sure a flat earther has an answer because what people do when they have a low immunity for mind parasites is that what well, the mind parasites gain a strong resistance to actual facts. Like uh, it's like like a bacteria gaining resistance to an antibiotics. For example, I, I would ask uh, this to a flat earther. If I take a telescope, I can look at Mars. I can see that all the planets around us are, spher are spheres. So it seems like, like we are uh, also a sphere ourselves. That would make sense, but that doesn't prove anything. But what if I take that same telescope that I can see all the way to Mars and look across the Gulf of Mexico? Why can't I see Mexico? From a mountain, say in Aspen, Colorado, why can't I see London? I'm, you know, now, now if I ask this, if I ask one of these questions to a flat earther, I'm going to guess that they have some some kind of bizarre explanation because they have built up a defense system against truths. Their bullshit has more bullshit to explain away logic. So the problem is they begin to relate to the, to the conspiracy so much that it becomes a part of their identity as an individual. I am a flat earther. And now they're not just defending some ridiculous claim. They're defending their individuality. And that's how mind parasites work. This belief is what separates, uh, you know, people believe this is what separates them from the herd. So they want it to be true so bad that any hard evidence you can show them, they can explain away with more mind parasites. Uh, there was actually a story that um, Andy Norman told on Joe Rogan. It's a... It's like, so imagine someone who believes uh, flat earth and, and gets, gets to heaven and um, gets to ask one question to God. And he's like, God, tell me, was the earth flat? And God's like, no, the earth was round. It's as round as a basketball. It's just completely round. And then he's like, oh, my God. The conspiracy goes higher than I thought. You know, like he's, it doesn't matter how much God himself existed and told you that you people want to believe stuff so bad so i was thinking about all this and um and i got to thinking i thought specifically about a point that Andy norman made that anytime you believe something wholeheartedly only because you want it to be true you begin destroying your natural immune system to fight off these mental parasites some examples uh the big one is obviously religion people that love the catholic church i was uh reading the book betrayal that the movie Spotlight was based on, and um, you know, breaking the story of all the pedophilia in the Catholic Church, and a lot of kids that had been molested went to their parents. Uh, some parents raised hell, but others told their kids to hush their mouths. They viewed their priest as extensions of their God, so they refused to believe their own children because they simply didn't want it to be true. And there's other things with Christianity, like scientists have mapped the human genome enough to understand that it's an impossibility that our genetic makeup could be traced back to to two humans. And when I say when I say this to Christians, people in my own family, they shrug it off like it's fake news or maybe it's the devil tempting their faith, but the reality is that they are choosing to believe what they want to be true in spite of facts. And thus they are destroying their immune system to fight off mental parasites. They do not want to believe that the creation story in the Bible is not true. If you believe in God, you would have to believe that God was like God was the Big Bang. 
It isn't God created man, took a rib, and with that rib he created woman. I mean, the story on its surface is pretty ridiculous. If you didn't know anything about the story and some stranger told you that he knew why we all exist and said, all right, so there's this guy that looked like looked just like us, with, but with a long beard, and he was, he was the only thing that ever existed, just hanging out in darkness. And one day, he just made everything out of thin air. Then he made a man. Then he took out one of the man's ribs and made a woman out of that rib. And then they went and had kids. Their kids made babies with each other. And then their grandkids with their cousins. And then their kids and their kids. And that's how you're here. If someone told you that and you hadn't grown up with that, with that story, it'd be laughable. You'd think, like, they're crazy. Like, what the hell are you talking about? It's just some, it's just an old story and it's been passed down uh, people find it easy to believe. The thing is, it's, it's not true. And if, and not, not in its literal sense, but if you take it as metaphor, you know, we, we just shouldn't like shout that, uh, we shouldn't shut out truths, uh, you know, that, that data and science has shown us because we want or need something to be true. You know, people really want to believe that when they die, they will get to live in a castle in the sky with everyone they love. It's a very beautiful thought. And the idea that that, that may, may not be true is a terrifying thought. The idea that you may go back to where you were before you were born, like remember that? No, you don't. Unfortunately, that's much more likely than the castle in the sky. But that's a dark thought. And I myself, I don't like it either. And um, I do like the idea that there will be something else. And I have no proof that there won't be, but no proof that there will be. So because I can't choose to believe the happier thing just because I want it to be true, I'm stuck in uncertainty, which is the point of this. Whatever we are, whatever we are here for, it did not reveal a purpose. But the present moment is revealed. So what we should, we should bathe in it. We should bask in the love of every second we get to spend on this planet with every single person or animal or plant or sunset we get to share that, that moment with. So... I was thinking, what's the one story where our immunity towards bullshit may have suffered a blow in our childhood? Think about it. What's the one story that most children in Western culture are taught as early as they can remember? The story of Santa Claus. There's a man with a beard on the North Pole. The story almost sets up the structure for the parasite of Christianity. After all, it, it, it is a secular story, but... And it has clashed with the Christians, but it evolved from Christianity or Catholicism itself through St. Nicholas. We have, uh, we have an old white man with a beard living on the North Pole. Thank God living up above us. He flies through the sky and answers children's wishes like God answering prayers. So this story we're told, not, not as we would, um, we would, we were told it, not like it was fiction, like reading Dr. Seuss to a child. We were told that it was real and we would wake up with gifts that actually confirm to the child that magic is real. And I mean, this story is so ridiculous. A man with flying reindeer that take him around the entire planet in one night. His sleigh holds all of the gifts for all of the children. This fat man climbs down your chimney and puts the gifts under your tree. Every chimney in the world in one single night. Of course, and of only the good children, right? The bad children get coal 
Coal represents fire. Like, this is heaven and hell. Now, I want to explain that when I was growing up, I did not believe in Santa Claus. I questioned it, of course, because my friends believed. But my parents, from the beginning, told me that the story wasn't true. They did this because their church told them not to tell us Santa was real. Because that if we one day found out Santa, or when we found out Santa wasn't real, we might question whether God was real. Now, if you think about it, that right there is the pastor almost saying that, like, my God story is almost as ridiculous, so let's let's just stick to the one story, right? I mean, if the Bible story is true and Jesus is the one true God or the son of the one true God, then why couldn't I question it? Why couldn't I ask, is the Bible story the truth? Because if it was undeniably the truth, then I could look into it and I'd find no holes. But of course, if you ask a Christian this, they'll have reasons. They, they have these defenses, you know, against the, like, like a defense against antibiotics trying to fight off the mind parasite. They'd say, well, the devil could tempt you. You have to have faith. Like God will test your faith. Better not to question. They have all these walls to guard their mental parasites. So I was thinking, a lot of the people I know who are still Christians did believe in Santa Claus. Most churches don't tell you not to tell your children, so or not to tell your children about Santa Claus. So here's the thing. I think that my parents' pastor actually did me a favor because I didn't, at that very young age, have that breakdown of my immunity from mind parasites. Now, now I'm not saying that the story of Santa Claus is necessarily evil. It's not as in, it's not like an insidious mind parasite. It's a fun, cool story. It's, it's a fun thing for a child to believe in for their imagination. But again, it's a fake story that you're not just told is real, but you're shown that it's real by receiving material gifts as proof. And this could be damaging to your child's immunity for bullshit. So I'm actually happy my parents' pastor stopped that breakdown of my immunity because at some point I was able to see through the church's bullshit. Now, I should say, I did have a craving to believe in Santa Claus. I, I had actually had my grandfather try to tell me that it was real. My grandfather was an atheist, and he would tell me, don't listen to your parents, because he thought it was a cool story, and he just wanted it to be a part of my childhood. It was a part of his childhood. And also, I, I think he didn't like the reasons that we didn't believe in Santa, you know, because of the God thing. So I stayed with him one Christmas Eve, and he said, uh, he's like, your parents are wrong. I'll prove it to you. He had us leave milk and cookies out. And he said, you watch. In the morning, these cookies will be gone because Santa will eat them. And the next morning, I had a present from Santa. And the cookies and milk were gone, save like some crumbs and uh, a milky mouth print on the glass. My grandfather swore it wasn't him. And as a kid, I couldn't imagine an adult lying to me, so I believed him, or at least I wanted to. To me, like, that was proof. So for like a short time, I thought maybe Santa was real and I would question it. But of course, my parents quickly sold him out and said it was definitely him and that, uh, that he didn't believe in God, so he didn't understand the importance of why I should know the truth. It's, uh, it's so ironic. Uh, they didn't want me to know the truth because they wanted me to continue to believe their story of magic. Um... Though they wouldn't see the irony because they actually believed in their crazy story, you know, like they, they, 
to them, it's not ironic. It's a, it's a real thing that they need me to believe in versus the fake thing of Santa Claus, which they knew to be fake. My, gran- my grandpa just thought, you know, it's, a harmless, it's harmless for a kid to have a little magic so long as the story wouldn't last a lifetime. So let's use the Santa story to explain how our immunity can break down. Let's say you're a kid in second grade who still believes in Santa. You go to school and some other kid named Chelsea laughs at you for still believing in Santa. She's like, you believe in a man with flying reindeer brings you presents down your chimney? Your parents bought them for you, you idiot. She's a really harsh second grader. But, so you go back, you go back and you uh, bring this up to your mom. Now, some parents might realize it's time for the truth, but let's say your mom gives you the option to choose yourself. She says, well, do you believe it was Santa? Or do you believe I lied to you and that I bought the presents? Now, as a second grader, you might rather choose the magic flying reindeer and Santa Claus, especially after watching all those movies sitting on, and sitting on his lap in the mall, than to believe that your parents would lie to you. So you choose to believe in Santa. This crumbles your natural defense to fight off mind parasites. Even though you're eventually told it's not real, the damage is already done. Think about why we have this natural defense against bullshit. When we were evolving, let's say you heard a neighboring tribe were cannibals. Then you're out, you're out in the woods and you're collecting berries and a kid from the other tribe approaches you and invites you to dinner, assures you they are not cannibals and that they have They've captured or they've killed an elk and are having a great feast. Now, if you choose to believe that they are cannibals, you miss out on the elk, but it may save your life and you'll live to have elk another day. But if you, if you choose what you want to be true, that they are not cannibals, you might be eaten and never have elk in your life. So being careful not to simply believe what you want is in your best interest. And this is, the, this is like the, the mental system that we have in place to decipher what's real and not real. And it, it's not always accurate. We may miss out on elk, you know, with a nice tribe. But being cautious and believing the things we want to be true is built into us. So, so now in this industrious society we've created, we've removed ourselves from the food chain. And if the neighbors invite you over for dinner... We don't have to worry about being eaten. Like, unless you live next to Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know. So, same thing with the Santa Claus story. If you choose to believe in it, you might be ridiculed at school. But you could just learn to keep those beliefs to yourself. If you choose to believe Santa is real, it will not lead to your demise. So, the kid that chose to believe in flying reindeer over the harder truth that their own parents were lying to them has now damaged their immunity to mind parasites and are now more susceptible to other more insidious ideas. So we need to look at the ideas we hold, especially ideological systems that we operate on. Something like the idea of karma, the way Westerners talk about karma, not the actual Hindu belief in reincarnation and that this life will affect the next, but this idea that like if you do good things, then good things will happen to you in this life. If you do bad things, then bad things will happen. And there's probably a little science to back this belief up. I mean, there are bad people who become billionaires and good people who die young. 
I think being a good person will bring you joy in this life and will bring good people to want to be around you. So in this sense, it is true. But either way, my point is that believing in this version of karma is a good way to live your life. Like a few weeks ago, I was uh, I was at Target and I realized when I got to my car, I'd forgot to pay for a drink. A devil on one shoulder says, like, I'd spend over $100 there shopping and I shop there all the time and they're a big corporation. But the angel on the other shoulder reminded me that I want to live by the laws of karma. So, and I thought it was a pretty funny thing that the drink that I hadn't paid for was a green tea. And the comp- was green tea, the brand is Honest Tea. I was like, I can't steal something called honesty. So I just rang one up the next time I was there shopping and I put it back. So living your life by abstract ideas that may not be backed by truth aren't necessarily bad. I don't think that believing in karma or avoiding the deadly sins or following the Ten Commandments means your mind is swarmed with mind parasites. Some of these belief systems can help us to be better people. I do think, however, that our society is being swarmed with mind parasites coming from the internet. And everyone is constantly staring at a screen. And as our immunity for these things break down, they are now running rampant. And things could get very bad. And that's why I wanted to talk about them today. Our country has gotten very sick with mind parasites. Conspiratorial thinking is at an all-time high. And there, there are three reasons for this. The first I've already said, and it's why I named this week's episode after the Radiohead song, Paranoid Android. Because we all have immediate access to infinite information, but a lot of it, or most of it, I'd say, is actually like actually fake news, like the flat earth stuff. But people don't know how to navigate in a sea of so much contradictory information. So they are choosing to steer their ships in the direction that confirms their suspicions and beliefs, making them more confident than ever that the bullshit in their heads is the unquestionable truth. The second reason our country is infested with with these parasites and this way of thinking is COVID. A lot of people lost their jobs, were were isolated. You know, we came out of COVID and there were riots. People are now thinking the vaccines are so Bill Gates can track you. Meanwhile, you have a phone and you're, you're showing everything you do on Instagram. We are all tracking ourselves. The third reason is one I didn't want to say because of how divisive this issue is. Sorry if the next part offends you if you like Donald Trump. But I believe I cannot talk about mind parasites and misinformation without bringing up his presidency. You know, he was constantly yelling, fake news, even when the news was something he himself said to the camera. PolitiFact checked, and Trump's indifference for the truth is unlike any politician ever before him. They looked through every statement he made during his campaign and found that 70% of the things he said were not true, while only 4% were completely true. When I say this to a Trump supporter, they have like those antibodies to protect their mind parasites from the truth. They say fake news, or they'll ask, well, who funds PolitiFact? Who's profiting? I looked into that. PolitiFact is owned by a nonprofit school for journalists and is committed to being nonpartisan and sticking to the facts. 
and we have a free press for a reason so that if they if what they're saying is completely off fox news could blow them out of the water but they're not they can't take you know platforms like fox news that that support president trump and support the republican party don't come out and say things against these facts because they can't they just switch the conversation over now if you think about it this is why evangelicals love 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 donald trump their immunity to mind parasites is damaged trump preys on their weakness and they love it they get they get the same high if not even more by going to his rallies that they get going to church i walked into a store to buy a towel in key west and there was um, all this Trump paraphernalia everywhere. So before I turned around to leave, I heard a woman talking uh, I, to, to who I assume was the owner of the store behind the counter. And she said, did you hear? Trump's going to be here doing a rally. And the owner says, like, I, I know. She's like, I know. And she got all giddy. She said, she said oh, um, she's like, this is going to be my first rally. The other woman says, I went to one a few weeks back. Oh my God, you can feel the energy. It's intoxicating. Intoxicating was her exact word. Anytime a political figure is intoxicating to a mass of people all wearing some sort of insignia, in this case, red hats, it's terrifying. I guarantee that all the people who believe the Holocaust didn't happen are among those intoxicated by this man who has a complete indifference to the truth. And he will also tell you all of the things you want to hear. He is the living embodiment of the way people use their phones to find things to back up their own beliefs. Our old dog sitter, Mimo Ois old dog sitter, told my mother-in-law, she's, this is her word, she was like, you know the election was stolen, right? Trump was sent from Jesus to save this country. And she was like almost scaring my mother-in-law, trying to get her to say she agrees, and, sh and she doesn't agree. And this reminds me of the scene in Sound of Music when the kids, um, the kids like Heil Hitler, um, and the family like they, 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 he watches the family as they carefully, you know, make sure that they do it right. Like yeah, yes, Heil Hitler, because if they don't say it, then bad things could happen to them. And I don't think that we're far from something like that happening. With the level of mind parasites that have infected the hive mind of our country and it happens on the left too it, it does and there's there's it's it's happening it happens everywhere so i'm not just trying to say that the only thing that we have to worry about is the right there's a far left movement there is you know people saying america is as racist as it's ever been and when clearly we've came a long way since slavery and since the 1960s and the civil rights movements and since June of 1921 in Tulsa. But they want to believe it's so. Like they, that's what they want to believe. They want to feel like that they're a part of a movement as important to history as the March on Washington was. But um, and don't get me wrong, some of the movements you know against police against police brutality is very very important. I'm not downgrading that. But this idea, there was something Kevin Hart said. I was watching Bill Maher and he brought it up that Kevin Hart's like uh, America is as racist is more racist than it's ever been. It's like, well, that that's just not true. And but again, those. So I I don't think that that kind of thinking is as insidious as the Trump thing, because what they're doing is 
they're trying to make the world better. And whether they're over-exaggerating the racism, it, they, the overcorrection might be a little damaging, but for the most part, the overcorrection is not really hurting us. It's, it's we're still moving to a better place. And reforming the police is not a bad thing. That's what my whole podcast is about, the drug war. That's a way to reform the police. Um, but Trump, he has a large percentage of Americans believing the election was stolen. And he said this would be a strategy well before the election. He said the only way he could lose is if it was rigged. His entire game plan was laid out. Republicans will mostly vote at the polls. Liberals will vote by mail. Those votes will keep coming in. So claim the election is being stolen by the Democrats. It'll look like Trump won. His supporters will be intoxicated by the news. Then, if the mail-in votes do swing the election, we'll just yell as loud as we can that it was stolen. And you can hear Trump on the phone with Georgia head of elections telling him to find the votes. This is not fake news. The recording's there. Trump literally called him and said, find the votes. And the guy he was talking to was a Republican who, who himself wanted Trump to win, but he cared too much about democracy and free and fair elections to find the votes. Now, these zealous, intoxicated Trumpers are sending him death threats. Consider when the election was supposedly stolen. These Republicans had the Senate, they had the Supreme Court, and the executive branch. I don't know how much credit Republicans give Democrats to be able to pull off such a heist when the Republicans were in charge of everything. And states like Georgia, where the elections were being controlled mostly by Republicans. So why, and the reason I think that this, this whole thing is so dangerous is if Trump runs again with DeSantis on his side, he may very well win in the next election. And his supporters believe the last one was rigged. So if they get back in control, what sort of things are they going to be able to do to make sure the election isn't stolen, quotation marks, stolen again? This is how democracies are lost and dictators rise to power. And here I am in Fort Myers, Florida. So many people, most of them Trumpers, who hated their Democratic governor's handling of COVID. And you have to understand that, yes, Florida handled it very well. I love the way we handled it, but we were able to go to work and make money. But you have to understand, there's a difference living in Florida than living in a place where it's cold, a place like New York, when people are indoors, where the vitamin D is low. Infection rates weren't as bad in Florida as other places, so we were able to stay open. But either way, people love, love DeSantis. They hated their Democratic governor, so they've flocked to Florida. And I promise you, Florida is now a solid red state. And here's the thing. If you're, if you're a conservative, I'm not hating on your economic policies and things like that. I do not want this to be political. But the Trump thing is beyond politics. I believe this. It's an insidious movement. Um, my neighbor right now, next door to me right now, has three flags flying in his front yard. He has the American flag, which he just the other day hung upside down when Biden was meeting with Russia which don't know what that really meant, but it was it was something he probably heard to do on one of the talk shows. He sits out and listens to right-wing talk radio all day. And um, he has the American flag, he has Blue Lives Matter flag, and Trump 2024 flag. If this shit goes down and Trump wins another election, my wife and I may very well have a sound of music situation where I'm flying a Trump flag so I'm not hanging from one of my neighbor's poles.
And I hope, I really hope that I'm the one who's paranoid here. And I might be, it might not get this bad, but I do think that we have to understand, I'm, again, I know there's a lot of Trumpers, people that like Trump that listen to my podcast, but this is a very deranged person that can lie this many times. PolitiFact, again, I have to reiterate, 70% of the things that came out of his mouth were not true. And now we have a country where people are believing all kinds of crazy lies, like the election was stolen, when the Supreme Court that overlooked the election was Republican, when the states like Georgia were run by Republicans, and, and people 100% believe it was stolen. And that's such an insidious mind parasite to think that democracy is no longer a thing because what comes next? If we can't have free elections and you won't believe in them, what comes next? You gotta think about that. This is, I know this is supposed to be a psychedelic spirit and a peaceful thing, but this is a terrifying thought to me. What comes next? If democracy doesn't work, you'll just fix it? What's the glitch? How do you stop it from being stolen if it's stolen? And the answer becomes, you don't. You just take power and stop letting people vote. And that's, again, how democracies fall. And I, I just, I don't think people understand the severity of these mental parasites and the devastation they can bring. All we have to do is look into our past. Tulsa, 1921. Germany, 1939. Or present-day North Korea. These are roads we must avoid. I hate, I hate that I've gotten so political, again, on the spiritual podcast, but I could not talk about mind parasites, which is something I thought was a, a thing that spiritual, spiritually we should avoid. I couldn't talk about them and about the current situation of our country with mind parasites without talking about the super spreader of misinformation. And the fact that people view Trump as our savior is absolutely horrifying. I'm not trying to talk bad about people who believe things that make them happy, but I just want everyone to understand that once we conceptualize reality with words, we create a new reality that never quite matches actual reality. And when the conceptualized reality gets off track too far, it can spin out of control. So please, this week, let's all step out of our conceptualized reality. Do some meditation clear your brain. Try and view the beliefs you have from an objective place. Sift through the beliefs that you could see causing harm to you or your neighbor or the country or the earth. Let's try and, and make what we say, whether it's on Facebook or at a restaurant or on a podcast, let's try to make it as close to the truth as possible by looking at our beliefs as honestly as we possibly can. This includes me. This is this includes me meditating on the things that I've said. Are there places where I'm off track with, with this Trump movement? Are there things I could be mis, misreading or reading too much into? I have to look at this. Let's try and sift through the bullshit and live an, as, as honest and happy a life as possible. So I have to run. I have to head to Captiva. I'm about to do a podcast with um, someone who was addicted to heroin. That'll be released next week. And we're going to talk about addiction. But um, I have to go to Captiva. I have to drive on this beautiful island with blue water and huge billowing white fluffy clouds. We have such a beautiful planet. And I hate that 
we all, myself included, get wrapped up in such bullshit. Let's try and be in the moment. Let's try to be in the moment a while. So that was this week's Psychedelic Spirit. And again, it might have not been that comforting this week, but um, I do think that overall it's a positive message to put out to let people understand that we have to, even if you agree with Trump, we have to make sure that at no point do we turn violent. Whether you're Antifa or Trump or whatever side of, if you're, if you're on the far fringes of the right or left, make sure we keep these things peaceful. I love you all. And again, this was a, a weird one this week, but um, I, I think I, I had to do this. I had to do this for me, and I hope I, I have to do it to try to help what I think could help the world. I love you all, and I hope you have a wonderful day, wonderful month, year, life. Peace out.